Broadcasting from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. I'm your rockin' host, David Strausser, and it's time for another awesome episode of Shark Bite Biz, your place to learn how to grow a business during complete chaos. As always, we got a kick butt show today we got another one of those uh tech entrepreneurs yeah you know who i'm talking about that special breed of people out there that are trying to solve our problems through the promise of technology many of the problems you probably didn't even realize you had but they're out there trying to solve them today's episode is about the personal touch we are in effect like in a touchless world right now pretty much a remote world, mostly communicating only digitally, which I have to mention, full disclosure here, I really wish I could do that with my household right now at this point. But nevertheless, we are all sitting behind our home office desk and essentially just waiting for the host to let us into our next Zoom call. In this digital age, it's very difficult to give a personal touch to people. In fact, if you even try to get closer than six feet to them, you might get a restraining order. Our guest solves that, where everything is being typed via email or on a Teams or a Slack channel today. What about using the power of technology to be able to send out a beautifully handwritten letter to your team, your customers, and your prospects? Today's guest does that. So who is today's guest? David Walks. David is a serial entrepreneur, and his latest venture, Handwritten, is bringing back the lost art of letter writing through scalable, robot-based solutions that write your notes in pen. Developed as a platform, Handwritten lets you send notes from your CRM system, such as Salesforce, the website, apps, or through custom integrations. Used by major meal boxes, e-commerce giants, nonprofits, and professionals, Handwritten is changing the way that brands and people connect. Prior to starting Handwritten, David founded Sellit, a leading mobile marketing agency. Sellit was sold to Hello World in 2012. So without further ado, let's bring David on in here. Creative and innovation tips. David, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You are now officially Shark Bait, my friend. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor to be here. Thank you. Uh, no problem. No problem. First, I got to say, I love the name. Glorious name, beautiful name. David is the best name ever. It really is. Do you know what it means? <laughs> uh, what does it mean? It means beloved. And I know that. Yes. Because I was when I was a little kid, I was in the hospital for some asthma thing, and Dave Muncie, who's the local hero weatherman, stopped by because he was that cool of a guy. He used to stop by the children's hospital, and he's like, "Hey, Dave, you know what that means, right? Beloved." And I've never forgotten. So thank you, Dave Muncie. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I I do remember that from um, early on in my life, but I've got to admit it has been a long time since I've uh, I've looked that up, and it's probably going <laughs> to have a reminder every now and then. Yeah, man. It's uh, always good. good to meet a fellow Dave. 
Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. So we have a tradition here on the show. The very first question, okay? What's your experience? What's your background? What's your expertise? How did you get to where you're currently at today? What makes David, David? Well, um, I guess you could say I'm a message guy. And I never thought I'd be a message guy, but I'm a message guy. My last company was a text messaging company called Sellit, C-E-L-L-I-T. And we do okay. millions of text messages a day for brands like Abercrombie and & Fitch and Toys R Us, Sam's Club, Office Max. Uh, oh, so you're the guy we blame. Well, but it was all opt-in. <laughs> it was all opt-in. So right. you would ask, um, I was very, look, I, I want to make a buck, but I also want to be able to sleep at night. So, right, uh, right. so I made sure that it was all opted in and that whole industry has gotten very, it's amazing that people still spam your cell phone because it's, it, the fines are so great. Um, we never mm -hmm. spammed, it was all opt in, but, but we do see it now, but, but anyway, so I did, um, that and I grew mm -hmm. with that whole industry. Um, uh, we started that company in 2004, sold it in 2010, sorry, 2012, worked for the new owner for two years until 2014. Then the next day I started my new company, which is also a messaging company, but a completely different type, which is handwritten notes. And the idea would be, how do you scale handwritten notes the same way you scale um, text messages, e emails, and all the rest? Uh, right. But how I got there, um, you know, we, as we were talking before the show, I was a Philly guy. I, I went to school at the University of Pennsylvania. I did an engineering and, and uh, business thing from Wharton and the engineering school. And this was during the go-go 2000s when people were throwing money at little kids because of the dot-com bubble. Oh, and, yeah. Um, I was incredibly naive and I had no idea. <laughs> I thought I was just, you know, the cat's pajamas like every other kid um, my age. Yep. Um, so I came out of school and I had multiple offers um, thrown at me. And one company was a consulting company called Diamond Technology Partners that went into um, large companies, like real boring companies, like deluxe printing, where they print checks or uh, Simon Malls. And they go into these big companies and they try to make them .com. And I don't know how you're going right. to make deluxe printing a .com or Simon Malls a .com, but that was the idea. And I thought, well, before I go out on my own and become my own entre an entrepreneur for myself... I'll go work in a big consulting firm and help other companies become dot-coms. Right. So that's the experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it would be super sexy and cool and fly the world and get to see all these cool companies and do all this stuff. And in the end, a consultant, at least my experience, was they work you to the bone in a windowless office in places you don't want to go to. So uh, <laughs> my experience, the well, the first job I had uh, or the, yeah, I think the first one or two jobs I had was at Boeing and it was super cool. They flew us out to uh, Washington and I was reviewing their um, new venture portfolio. Now, I don't know what a 21 year old kid knows about new ventures at Boeing and where to invest money and where not. Um, mm -hmm. It was ridiculous. But then after that, my next job was sitting in a windowless office in Sturdivant, Wisconsin, which is freezing cold working for an industrial floor care company uh, for about eight months, working to the bone where you'd return to the hotel room after the newspaper was delivered that morning. So, 
you know, you'd get home to the hotel room at 4 a.m. and the newspaper would be there and you'd be depressed and hit the sack and then wake up at 7 a.m. and then do it all over again. And I just realized that was not the way I wanted to go. And then I bounced around. I did a little investment banking. And then I ended up doing venture capital because that was always um, an interest of mine. Um, yeah. So I ended up working for a crazy man. And I don't know if you want to hear the whole story here or not, but I worked for a crazy man out yeah. of um, San Diego. And Ooh. within four months, I was fired without cause. And that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because wow. when I got fired, um, I had taken all the money from consulting and investment banking, and I used it to pay down school debt. Um, I had a okay. lot of school debt coming out of Penn, and I wanted to get rid of all that. So yeah, that's I not cheap, a, right? Not cheap, not cheap. Yeah. At least it wasn't back in the day, and I can't imagine it's any cheaper now. Exactly. Uh, so I, I paid down the school debt as much as I could, and it was actually in a pretty good position that way, but I was in a horrible position from a safety net perspective. And right. so I came, I, I got thrown on my ass, uh, pardon the language, but, um, and at the same time, San Diego was not a good experience for me. Um, I got in a wow. car crash. It was flooding the entire time. It's supposed to be the best weather in the country. When I was there, it was sandbagging. Oh, and uh, I got evicted from my apartment too, for no reason. Um, so I got fired for no reason and evicted for no reason. You're probably thinking, gee, there's probably a reason I'm, he's not telling you over beers. <laughs> yeah, I can I, tell you there was, I smell a tread. What's that? I smell a tread. I smell yeah, a trend there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm telling you, man, and I can give you the full story, but, uh, there's a bunch of loony people in San Diego. So I, I didn't know what to do. We apologize I, to all our listeners and viewers out there right. in San Diego. <laughs> well, I love I you guys. What, I had good experiences out there. <laughs> I don't know. My, I think I had an anomaly. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's a different. It's a different culture out there. So you got to remember, I lived in Tijuana, Mexico, worked in Mexico for most of my life. But then uh, when my daughter was born, she was born very premature. We decided, hey, let's move to San Diego. We moved to San Diego and I started um, working. You know, I was working down in Mexico, but then slowly I got tired of commuting, an international commute. Yeah. And I started working for San Diego based companies and the climate there with those companies. I mean, it was totally different than it was down in Tijuana and Baja. It's different than what I experienced working out of rural Pennsylvania when I was younger. It was a, a total different experience. I mean, you'd have people wearing shorts and sandals for these professional jobs with their dogs in the office with them and stuff. It's just yep. like a whole nother world out there. For me, it was, well, like I said, it's best told, told over beers, but it was a very interesting time in my life. Um, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because when I got fired, uh, my mm -hmm. because I was broke and I was 24, yeah. 23, 24, my father drove out from Phoenix where I grew up and um, we went out to dinner and he was helping me pack up to move back to Phoenix um, with my head between my, my legs. Um, but we were thinking, you know, what could I do next? And he said, what about, he said, what about using bar, barcodes and blackberries, barcodes or blackberries to get information on properties? Because he was a realtor. Right. And at the time there was no iPhone. This, I think the iPhone came out in 2008. 
Um, there was no iPhone. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. So um, I said, well, gee, maybe not barcodes and Blackberries, although he was kind of forecasting the QR code, which could have worked, but not my jam. Uh, mm-hmm. I said, what about using text messages where you could text in for info on the house? You'd see a rider sign. So when you look at a real estate sign, there's the little thing, the little signs underneath it that say, you know, looks beautiful or four bedrooms or whatever those extra details are. Let's add an extra writer that says text house five to one, two, three, four, five for info on this property. And then when you do that, because it's a phone number, we're able to capture mm-hmm. your number, send it as a lead to the realtor, send you back the info. And then we allowed you to get additional info via email. You could request PDFs of info, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's what I created. I went back to Phoenix, classic um, startup story of a guy sitting in his, um, not in my garage because I didn't have one. I was in a condo unit. My dad lent me, but I was in the bedroom with a two liter of diet Pepsi, uh, diet Mountain Dew for about six months, just programming. Mm-hmm. And, um, that became something called house for sale. And very quickly after creating house for sale, I realized I didn't want to be pigeonholed into the real estate market. So I created a, I was dating a woman in Chicago at the time, and I'd walk, when I'd fly up to see her, I'd um, get off the train and walk on Southport Avenue, which is a major uh, bar scene in Chicago. And I thought, gee, what if we could do a text messaging platform for small time restaurants and bars? So I created something mm-hmm. called Coupon Zap. And then we had two products, House for Sale and Coupon Zap. And what happened was House for Sale's biggest client was not a, re- a realtor or an MLS. It was Marie Claire Magazine which found us. And they wanted you to be able to text in for info on products in their magazine. So you'd see a lipstick, you'd want it, you'd text in lipstick to one, two, three, four, five, you get info on the lipstick, and then the magazine would collect your information and learn about you. Right. So that was house for sale, just with lipstick. And then the biggest user of Coupon Zap was Abercrombie and Fitch and Toys R Us and Sam's Club. And, And it just grew and grew and grew. So we renamed Coupons App Sell It Studio and we started selling it to these big clients. Um, then the iPhone That's came out. That's a fascinating out. story though. I just uh, make sure I'm following directly. This is something that you, you developed, you created. Were you like the actual programmer developer on it? Wow. Yep. Countless um, so hours, countless up. bug fixes. Ooh. Yep. Um, so... I have a software engineering degree, never worked professionally as a software engineer other than creating um, uh, Sell It, that company. Yeah. And, I have uh, a degree the code- in that as well, too. Uh, well, technically, it's information sciences and technology, but it covers, you know, IT, IS, uh, engin- yeah, software engineering, some hardware engineering and stuff. And I took it not because I wanted to do that for a living, but I took it because I figured, hey, I'm going to be in business in the tech world. I'm yep. going to, like right now, I run the Northeast for Vision 33 with ERP and SAP Business One. Having that degree actually allowed me to excel because it gave me the foundations of how technology works, You know how things are so black and white and not gray with how a machine thinks. And yep. that allowed me to really launch my own personal career. Yeah, exactly. When I did it, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> and when I went to Penn, 
um, they, in this program, I was in this engineering business program, they, they put everybody in systems engineering, which could be anything. Mm-hmm. A system could be a freeway or it could, it could be anything. And if you wanted to specialize, you could specialize in a computer, in, in electrical or computer science. And the reason I chose computer science over electrical was mm-hmm. because I thought it would be way easier to start a software company than a hardware company because there's yeah. less capital expenditure. This was me at age 17, 16, whatever age you are in college. That's what I, that, so I'd always wanted to be an entre- entrepreneur and that's why I did it. So when I started Sell It, I literally sat down, um, Sell It was written in PHP, which is a terrible language. Oh, yeah. But, um, but that's what we used and it relied on open source software and my very poor coding and stuff like that. And we got it off the ground. And then um, I had uh, eventually, years later, I had developers that took it over for me and I apologized dearly for my poor coding. But I did that. <laughs> and then, um, but yeah, it was, it was when I started Sell It, it was me. And then about six months, eight months in, I hired a commission-only sales guy who transformed my business. We butt heads all the time, but he was a great mm-hmm. addition to the business. He was very passionate. Um, literally he did not know the answer. No, he would not take no for an answer. And I don't think that's because he was a good salesperson. I think he kind of had Asperger's or something. So he just (laughs) said no to him. He'd call you two weeks later, you know, and you're like, no, I'm not interested, but he did not know the me. So he drove me crazy because he was the same way with me, but, um, but he was an excellent sales guy and we got the company. Oh yeah. And, I mean, people um, like that. People like that are are good. I mean, yeah, there's a line that you can cross. But for example, uh, my early days in ERP Vision Thirty Three, if they told me no, it's like, okay, well, I'm still gonna do it. I'm just doing it on my own, <laughs> and then I yep. go out and do it, and then I have success doing it. And they're like, okay, actually, uh, yeah, let us get behind that. Uh, we don't like you doing it just yourself, you know. So yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's you know, you're 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 pushing to get new ideas because a lot of times, you know. It, in the business sales side of things, you're, you're kind of fighting against the system, whatever that system may be. People have ideas like preconceived ideas or notions like, nope, that's impossible. Nope, this is the way it has to be. And it's just that way. And I think that's what's really good about this pandemic because it has forced a lot of people to kind of reevaluate those things and be like, actually, we don't have to do it that way. There, we can make this stuff work. And it sounds like that's kind of what you've experienced with him. Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was interesting. I mean, it came out of partially out of desperation. I mean, I was living off a free apartment, my father. So my father, um, I do not recommend this, never go into business with family, especially your father, because been there too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, when when you go in with your parents, there's it's never equal footing. There's that dynamic. They're your parents. You're the child. It's it's a bad idea. But because he gave me a roof over my head and kind of sort of the initial idea for house for sale, even though instead of barcodes and blackberries, it was text messages. Um, mm-hmm. He owned twenty five percent of the company, wow. which was insane uh, when we sold. Is the your company. dad's name David too? <laughs> it's not. It's not. Okay. My dad's name's David. That's where the yeah. similarities stop. For yeah. Us. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so he owned 25% of the company. Um, 
he did very, very well on the sale of the company. We, so what happened was then the iPhone came out in 2008 and um, I thought that would kill our business, but it grew our business exponentially because it made texting so much easier. You know, mm -hmm. before it was, you'd have to hit the two key three times or whatever to get an A. Now you could just tap it out on your keyboard and it, it made text messaging 10 times easier. And then we expanded right. into apps and all that stuff. And that was handwritten and that was sell it. And um, I sold that company to a um, promotions company, a tech promotions company in 2012 um, that did like online sweepstakes and online social media contests and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And then I stayed with them until 2014. And pretty much the day after I left, sell it. Uh, or the company that acquired Sell It, I started my new venture. Okay, that's great. So that is a very cool, I guess you could say career transformation that you went through. Because I mean, one of the things that I hear from you, and we hear from a lot of people, is that there's dark times. There's a lot of hurdles. It's yep. very rarely is it as easy as someone makes it seem, you know, actually getting there. I think too many business people when, you know, the, what, what's the saying? When the tough, uh, when the tough gets going, the tough get going. I, I forget what it is. When the going head, gets tough, the tough get tough, going. The tough. Right, right, right. You know, and I think too many people, when it gets to situations like you were in, they just put up the white flag and surrender. It was like, yeah. okay, I'll go back and do what I was doing before. Or I'll go work at Walmart or whatever it may be. And then they miss out on the huge opportunities that if they just toughed it out for a few more weeks, months, maybe it's a year, year yeah. and a half longer that you know there there's a huge prize at the end of the tunnel for him yeah with with sell it it was a two year um two years to really bang it out before i felt like i could afford to live again you know mm -hmm. the first year was very hard um uh and then we got marie claire magazine as a godsend and then it takes a few of those and then you you know okay now i can move out of my dad's condo i can move back to chicago to be with my girlfriend and live in a crappy apartment that was not nearly as nice as the one I had when I was a consultant. And then, you know, work yeah. your way up. Um, back in those days, you know, you're, you're not under, under estimating it. You know, for me, a night on the town was going to Costco and getting the $1.50 hot dog and drink and then walking around Costco eating samples until I was full. That was, what? That was my life. That was what I called the entrepreneur special. Costco is a godsend too. I love yeah. that pizza. Yeah, man. So, but that's, and it's funny. It's funny. Now think about Costco. Our very first coupons app client yeah. uh, before we got the big bars and all that, our very, very first one, we had, we had two, one was a New York restaurant, but I was walking into Costco at the time and I got a beep on my phone saying, we got a new customer. It was our, I think our first or second customer. It was a strip club in Vegas. We didn't ask for the strip club in Vegas. They found us, they signed up. Um, but it's just funny. I heard the lunch specials in those types of places are good. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. People go for the lunch. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, but that was 
that was how, you know, it's, 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 it's a slog. It is a slog yeah. for years. Um, and handwritten. Hindsight is 2020. Hindsight is 2020. Yeah. Now that you've lived it, you've done it. Uh, I'm sure there's some aspects that you would prefer to have done better knowing what you know now. But yeah. if you had to live it all again and do the exact same thing, would you have still gone through with it? Absolutely. Absolutely. This, not only Good. that's what I want to hear. Not only was it a financially transformative experience, sell it. Handwritten hasn't been, and I could talk to you about handwritten. Handwritten yeah. is a complicated company. Um, but sell it was financially transformative. It was also um, uh, personally transformative. I became myself. I fell mm-hmm. into my own through starting through the uh, 2004 to 20, through the eight years of running sell it. I became yeah. who I am today. You, you, know, uh, that, you become that. your own, you know, you became the ERP uh, PM salesperson. I became the entrepreneur, whatever. Um, the, it, it's part In of a me. way, though, I mean, because of what I do, and this has been a battle of mine personally throughout my life. I've always wanted to own my own business. My dad owned his. We have that entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. And ultimately, I mean, I'm still young. I'm 37. I still have loads of time to launch yeah. my own business. I mean, in, in a way, Shark Bite Biz is a, is a business right now. But because of how Vision 33 operates, it's not like I'm a sales rep for them. I was a sales rep previously, but now with being a GM, I mean, it is essentially like I am the entrepreneur. I am the owner of this territory. I have my own P&L, my whole staff, and my mission is to grow this because this was like, I didn't inherit a region that was fully developed for the company. This was gray, no man's land. And they're like, hey, you know, there's a lot of GDP in the Northeast. We need somebody. We think David's the right person. He's originally from the Northeast. Let's get him out there. And I ended up taking it over. And so far, I mean, it's worked out uh, because we have probably about 22 to 25 clients that we sold over the last two years of me being a GM. And in the ERP world, I mean, if you think about it, um, each sales rep, if they're doing their job, usually gets three to six a year clients. So we've been well above that average with my sales team in in allocating new clients. And it, it essentially, for this time in my life, it gives me the fulfillment that I want in building something, managing something. And it it checks that entrepreneurial box for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, I I couldn't agree more. Um, And plus Mm -hmm. like the international with you dealing with a Canadian company, it adds a, um, Oh, we have global arms length, you know, where, where Mm -hmm. you, you probably have more control even then because, they're they're elsewhere you know so yeah yeah well um, i mean the thing yeah. is too i mean we we have international clients so i get a lot of clients let's just say they have uh new york city based operations but maybe they're an italian company so 
they're you know they're looking at hey we need new york and we need to get italy you know sold launched uh implemented launched go live for multinational companies i mean we're doing things like swage lock or payless shoe store you know payless shoe store yeah. Uh, while in the U.S., they are not, uh, you know, successful right now. They have done bankruptcy internationally prior to the pandemic, at least. They were thriving. And we literally are doing almost every Central and Latin America uh, country rollout for them. And it's like about 100 plus databases that are going to be rolled out within the next two to three years. So it, it it's a lot of cool stuff that we get to do that really fulfills all the needs, wants, and desires that I have for this portion of my life. That's awesome. And then doing the shark bite on top of it. I mean, that's... Oh, that's... yeah, yeah. This is great. I, I mean, it goes back, and I discussed this many times on the show, doing shark bite biz, I like to meet people. I want to grow personally. It's hard to do that during the pandemic. You can't put on events. You can't attend events. It's hard to network. Even if you do a virtual networking, I mean, that's harder because, I mean, really, you only have one or two people that could speak at once. You know, it's not like you mm -hmm. can just dwindle around to the other side of the bar and meet three other people. And, you know, that's what inspired me to launch this because now I get to meet amazing people like you that are coming on here, sharing your personal stories of your expertise, how you got to where you're at. And it allows me to grow both professionally and personally. And I figured, well, if I'm going to go through this journey, I want to take everybody with me. And that's kind of why I launched the, the podcast to begin with. So awesome. with that, with that, let's start getting into what you're, you're doing now. As yeah. you mentioned, you're the um, creator, founder, uh, CEO of the company Handwritten. What is Handwritten exactly? Handwritten is... Uh, it's a way to, I mean, uh, succinctly, it's turning handwritten notes into a scalable platform or a scalable platform for handwritten notes. Um, mm -hmm. Less succinctly, what it is, is I found that at Sell It or the company that bought Sell It, you know, at the time, people are receiving hundreds, if not thousands of text messages um, uh, a day. Um, mm -hmm. they're receiving thousands of email, hundreds of emails a day. Um, between all of that, um, you know, people are getting lost in all this electronic communication. Oh yeah. Um, Digital so, transformation is in full force. Yeah. And so, you know, people are just trying to stay above the clutter and not get, you know, you know, they're just spending so many, so much time just pressing the delete button. They're not reading it because who has the time to read it all? So yeah, I I'm guilty of that. You know, I, I get so many emails now, especially compared to what I got pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic, I got a lot. Okay, but that it's grown by probably like fifty since the pandemic, yeah. and that's where um, I, I mean, I honestly don't know if I have time to read every single word of every single email, and I'm skimming a lot more, mm -hmm. and just having my team call me out on anything that's really important for me to see. Yeah. So the idea was what really sticks out, what, what cuts through the din. And I, and I came to the conclusion because I'd walk into my employees' offices and I'd look in my own office. I look at my house 
Handwritten notes, not only are they read, they're kept, savored, put on display. Um, so I thought, gee, oh, yeah. how, can I how can I make handwritten notes stand out? Um, and, and Or how can I make handwritten notes easy to send? And that's how I started handwritten. And what we do is we build our own proprietary robots. So if you come to our facility in Phoenix, Arizona, you'll see laser cutters, 3D printers, people turning cranks. And we have over 115 robots right now. Um, each robot holds a real pilot ballpoint pen. Then um, using oh, our wow. platform, or, or, or whether that's our iPhone app, Android app, I know you're into Android, Android app, yeah. our website, where you can bulk upload Excel sheets of orders, Zapier integration, um, direct API, Salesforce integration, Shopify integration soon to be, and HubSpot integration. You can direct orders to us and then we can write out your order on your stationery, the station of your choice. We can include a gift card to Starbucks or Amazon or whatever. We can include your business card and mail it out to you, for you. And so last year we did over a million um, handwritten notes. We did about 170,000 in December alone. Um, we actually grew during the pandemic brief. Um, you know, we, we had some very, very bad months but we grew overall about 18% in the pandemic. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, you would think that your business should naturally experience growth because people, I mean, they're not able to, to see each other in person, you know? So there is a bigger need, I think, than pre-pandemic for something like this, just to give it that personal touch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are home alone, they're sad and they're lonely. Oh yeah. And I'm not trying to sound in, I'm sincere about this. People are home alone. They're sad and they're lonely. No, and no, we actually, do, we had a full episode on that with Ed Howie. I think it was episode 31, which he is big on spreading joy right now because we are at a joy deficit. Mm -hmm. So I think my audience primarily agrees with that. And that's where I think your product really helps bring in joy. Yep. Yeah. So we do a lot of thank you notes because along with joy comes gratitude. In fact, one of the best ways to, for happy to, to become happy is to, to be grateful. Um, yeah. There's been studies that say that, and I try to do that more in my life. But um, a lot of thank you notes, a lot of birthday notes, a lot of we're thinking about you, a lot of holiday cards. Um, and that's what we do. We do it for individuals, small companies. We do it all the way up to luxury brands, um, nonprofits, universities, healthcare, car dealerships. So um, that's really what we do. And it's totally complicated, uh, but it's a, it's a very interesting company. Yeah. So one thing that I'm confused about that I'm looking at your, your site here is first off, it seems like it's pretty cool uh, that you were able to turn this into a recurring and predictable revenue model by doing subscription, right? So it's essentially we, like a- We do have service. subscriptions. Subscriptions are brand new, well, not brand new. They're about, they came out during the pandemic. They're about three or four months old. Um, mm -hmm. That is not, and they've been pretty successful given that we haven't really promoted them. Mm -hmm. um, but we do have a couple uh, hundred people doing that. Most of our users um, just pay as they go or they do bulk uploads or they prepay. So mm -hmm. like a large brand will prepay for 100,000 notes or whatever. And then we will, um, you know, they can use those over the course of a few months. But yeah, for okay. the smaller, like the mortgage broker and the realtor, the subscription offering is a very cost-effective way to go. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, so how do you view, because everything is turning into a subscription world. I mean, even with me in the software world, especially with me, um, SAP Business One has traditionally been perpetual licensing. That means that you're purchasing licenses one-time fee. Mm-hmm. Now, what they're doing is essentially they're offering the SaaS model, the software as a service. And by doing that, uh, it's a lot cheaper. You don't have the big upfront costs like purchasing the licenses, but it does go on forever. And it, But right. the benefit to that is, you know, especially during the pandemic this year, is that instead of having, you know, customers have to spend $100,000 to buy software, they're like, hey, we only have to spend, you know, $3,000 a month. Let's do that option. Right. Hindsight is it goes forever. But the positive is for me, I don't get that big bang on my profit and loss, but I am building up recurring revenue that come January 1st of every year. It's like, wow, I'm already at 30% of my sales goal for the year. Yep. Yeah. And that's, so we were looking at getting venture funding at one point, And one of the things they said is what's your recurring revenue model. And I said, what recurring revenue model? Um, so then I went out and we we tried to figure out something that made sense, mm-hmm. and it's been a it's been it's been a success given how new it is. Um, right. You know, it's, I wish I would have done it sooner because it's it's a good chunk of change, and um, you know it's just very flattering to me that our client base wants to subscribe. We don't force them to, but they mm-hmm. want to. They see that much value that they they want to subscribe. Everything about my company is very flattering to me. Like. When I, uh, I've been on a few podcasts where, where the hosts didn't realize who they were talking to or that we were handwritten and they say, oh, I have one of your cards right here. We use you all the time. And I'm like, that's amazing. And then- uh, I may have pe- received some of your cards. Now I'm wondering, Maybe. did they really write me a handwritten note? Maybe, I don't, but uh, it's, um, it's, it's a very flat, it's, it's a very interesting business. And uh, if, the co- if COVID wasn't uh, an issue right now, we have people in for tours all the time because it's fascinating how we do it. Oh, no, that does sound. So how do the handwritten notes generate returns for brands? Well, um, handwritten envelopes have about a three times greater open rate than standard envelopes. So right mm-hmm. there, you're seeing a much greater um, ROI. Well, granted, now that said, handwritten notes are also much more expensive. Uh, right. Because it's, you know, think about it. I want to write on a piece of paper. I'm not going to write on a, I need to write on something. And that thing is printed, right? Like it has your station, it's your logo and your footer and all that. So we're never going to be cheaper than a print piece ever. It's impossible. Right. Um, so so there's that. Um, we we talk to a lot of car dealerships these days and they see a, I want a 27 time greater response rate with handwritten notes than printed mail, 27, or maybe it was 23, wow. 23, 23 time greater response rate. So then even when you factor in the cost of print and all that, it's still seven times greater ROI than print. So do you think the personalization is really important then to build a good customer experience or a good, you know, because building personal relationships with customers right now is difficult because we're in a pandemic. I mean, what you and me are doing right now is essentially, essentially the extent of the most that we'll ever come in contact until this is all done. Right. Do you think that the personalization kind of helps bridge that gap for the whole experience? 
Absolutely. But I, I even more than just COVID, I think it's important in general because, you know, you have brands, we, we deal with a lot of retailers and, and mm-hmm. you know, how are they, they need to thank their customers for not buying it cheaper and quicker on Amazon and buying some junk on mm-hmm. Amazon. They need to create that personal relationship to get people back and back and back. Um, right. Whether that's a Nordstrom.com or, you know, a Sears.com or a Alibaba, um, like a Wayfair, those clients need right. to be grateful that people aren't just going to Alibaba or aren't going to Amazon. So it extends well beyond, I think there is a return to thankfulness, gratitude, one-on-one communication, thanks to COVID, but it mm-hmm. was direly necessary prior to COVID too. Um, so- I think- you know, we, we're dealing with car dealerships right now that are like, right. why would I pay $3 to thank a, somebody for buying a car? And we're smacking our forehead like, are you crazy? They just spent 50 grand with you and you're not willing to spend $3 to send them a card. So, yeah. uh, you know, people need to lose the entitlement attitude and be grateful for um, their sales. So do you think, I mean, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like if you look at this versus digital communications, people are going to get a better reaction to the handwritten notes over, you know, digital emails and stuff that's probably not even really reading or just glimpsing over. Well, you know, what I would say is there's a time and a place for everything. If you need to get the message out tomorrow, use text messaging, use email, use Facebook, um, but, uh, you know, if you want to set a, a big impression, I think handwritten notes go a long way. Let me give you one example. We have a oh, client yeah. that is actually in Pennsylvania, a piano tuner. And if they go into your house and tune your piano, they have, um, Zapier. I don't know if you're familiar with Zapier. Zapier is the coolest thing. It allows for simple integrations with other systems. So their CRM yeah. system connects to hand handwritten through Zapier. And it automatically sends a thank you note to the client after tuning their piano. They're only wow. in your house once a year because mm-hmm. your, tu- your piano only goes, you know, only needs to be tuned once a year. The next right. year, when they go to tune your piano, they will oftentimes see that handwritten note sitting on the piano. Often. Oh, that's awesome. What are the odds of that happening with a print, with an email? Is somebody going to print out right. that email? Stick on, what about a text message? Are they going to stick that text message on? Are they going to stick their phone on the refrigerator? That never happens. Mm-hmm. But so I have a card here that I ended up getting. It was from a guest on the show, Heather Williams. Yeah. She did um, a great podcast interview early on. I think it was like episode 10 or 11. And she sent me handwritten holiday note here, thanking me for the show and letting me know that she is there for us if ever needed. And this is something that I keep. I have it right here on my desk. I keep those too as mementos. If it was just a regular card, I would probably be throwing it away in a week or two. Right, right. It just piles up to be junk. Handwritten is like a memento to me. And that's nope. so that's what we try to recreate. And I think yeah. our handwriting, um, it, it it passes muster. You know, if you were to, it's all written in pen. It passes the smear test. It, um, you know, it can be messy or 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 straight. Um, the lines are at different distances from each other to create some variation there. The left margin judders in and out to create variation there. Um, if you were to look at it and say, gee, David sent me this. I know he works for a handwriting robot company. You, you might guess it's written by a robot, but if you didn't know that, you'd never know. It looks totally What real. about 
what about copying people's um, signatures or writing styles? Is that something that's going to be in the future? Are you able to do that now? Is it on your roadmap? We do it now. We do signatures. Uh, it's a one-time fee of $250 for us to recreate it for you. Um, if you want to do a whole handwriting style, it's a thousand bucks, which is actually but a bargain. you can do it. You can do it. It's actually a bargain because it's a lot of work on our develop on our um, designers. It takes them about a full week, especially if, yeah. it's a, if it's a cursive handwriting. Because when we create handwriting styles, we're not taking one letter of, uh, or two copies, uppercase and lowercase. We're taking like six copies of each lowercase, six copies of each upper. And then we're doing what are called ligature combinations. So two right. O's together, two L's. Do you cross two T's with one crossbar or two? How does an S look at the end of the word versus the beginning of the word? We do all that type of variation to create the most realistic handwriting you can get. Um, wow. So, I mean, that. Yeah. no, that, that sounds good and it sounds smart. And I think from your aspect of the business hand, if they're spending $1,000, even if that is cheap, you know, I, that's how we look at it in our world as well, too. It's like, hey, look, when we set up a new environment for their ERP, the setup fee is usually if we build them TMN, it would probably be closer to two or three thousand dollars. But then we look at it, no, we have them on recurring revenue. So we take a little bit of a hit because we know that they're gonna be with us for a while. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I guess to wrap up here, uh, this has been awesome so far. Uh, a lot of businesses are struggling. Um, we're in this pandemic. Who knows when it'll be finally over? What advice do you have for other business owners out there that, that may be having some difficulties right now? Well, just general advice as far as starting a company or something like that, I'd say always get in over your head. Um, that's the only you way you're going to always grow. get in over your head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's entrepreneur advice. Um, yeah. or my, that I, I stole from Conan O'Brien. Um, when I okay. was in college, he came to college, he spoke at our campus and he said that, and it stuck with me ever since. Um, or, and it's funny, it came up on Facebook. You know how sometimes you post something on Facebook and then it yeah. comes up two, three years later, it says, you said this. Um, I put, when life gives you lemons, start a company because <laughs> that's what happened with, with sell it. Um, but as far that's as awesome. general, general advice for COVID, be nimble, um, try to make it work. We all know it's not easy. Take advantage of PPP if you can. Um, mm -hmm. Right now, the, the second round of PPP is criminally, the metrics for it are criminally easy to get PPP. Um, so... Um, you know, take You're advantage about of those the new one that was just recently passed, right? Yeah, you have to have one quarter um, that was down 25%. It could be the same quarter that you already paid for on the PPP uh, round one, but you just have to prove one of your quarters was down 25%. So it's criminally easy to get. Um, there's oh, no, that won't be abused. <laughs> I know, exactly. Um, we use a company called Lend.io. Um, they're actually a client of ours. Uh, but oh, that's, awesome. But, uh, but, but yeah, Lend.io, excellent to work with. So if your bank can't do it, go through Lend.io or a similar company um, and just hang in there. You know, the game's not over until you give up. Um, it's not like there's a time limit on it, uh, but yeah. it's not easy. And I, my heart goes out to everybody in these times. I mean, we drive down the street here in Phoenix and stores are shuttered, restaurants are shuttered. It's yeah. very, very sad. 
So yeah, um, it is. It, it is. It's tragic in a lot of ways. And we don't get political on this show at all. But uh, when we do talk about business, stuff like that, the pandemic, that is one stance that we do have and many of our guests have had. And I think that the government is letting down small businesses from local up to, to federal, I think, uh, uh, there's going to be some permanent damage and it's going to take them a long time to build after this. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Hey, um, there's no time limit on what you were talking about, but there is a time limit for this show. So <laughs> David, this has been amazing. I let it go on a long time because it's been such a great conversation hearing these stories from you. How can people get in touch with you? Well, you can email me David at handwritten and that's H A N D. W-R-Y-T-T-E-N.com. You can follow at Handwritten on Twitter. You can follow Handwritten on Facebook. Um, if you want to try it, go to handwritten.com, request samples. You get a free sample kit. Or uh, just sign up at handwritten.com. Use discount code or sign up code podcast, and you'll get $5 in credit. You can use that to send yourself a card or send somebody else. But it's really that simple. Awesome. Awesome. So, hey, thank you so much. I know you're a busy CEO of a, a really awesome company. So I really appreciate you coming on, spending this time with us. Thank you again, David. Thank you, David. Always yeah. good to meet a fellow David. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Thanks again. Cheers. Bye-bye. Wow. That was an amazing discussion with David. And I got to admit, I am a huge fan of his name, you know, David, just like mine. <laughs> but first, if you love this interview, if you found it insightful, please do me a favor. I know this is repetitive and annoying and you hear it everywhere you go, but really, we're trying to grow this channel. This is a small business, personal growth, professional growth, business growth channel, and we can only grow if we can continue building this community. So please do me a favor, smash that like button, Smash that subscribe button. Does not matter where you're at, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you're at, subscribe to the channel. We got a ton of great more content coming out. And also, if you really, really, really want to help us out, please do me a solid favor, okay? Share this video out to your whole network. Share it on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you're at. Share this interview out there. Let's get Shark Bike Biz, David Walks, and Handwritten trending. Okay, now let's get back to David. First, I got to show this off, okay? David was kind enough to get a thank you card sent to me, kind of showing off his services so that I could show you all. Right here, I don't know if you could see it. You're only going to see this if you are on YouTube, but I'll try my best explaining it, okay? Here is the letter, okay? It does not look like it was printed, okay? It, it totally 100% looks like a handwritten uh, envelope. And then you get into the envelope as well, too, okay? I think I'm showing that good. And it 100% absolutely looks like a handwritten card as well, too. I get a lot of mail... A lot of handwritten lookalikes companies trying to be like, oh, hand wrote you a card so that you buy car insurance off me or a car warranty, <laughs> you know? Uh, and I got to tell you, this does not look like any of those. This legitly looks 
like it was written by hand by an actual person. Now, I think one of the big differences here is, and I'm noticing this as I look at it up close, maybe I'm nitpicking, but this is not like a perfect handwriting, okay? This has imperfections, okay? I, I'm assuming that David has the per his personalized handwriting stored in there as a base font, I guess you could say. And I'm assuming that this is off of his handwriting style. And if it is, I mean, it's got all the imperfections. Now, imperfections aren't bad. Imperfections are real, okay? That's what makes this look real. If this was all perfect and nice, I'd say, yeah, this is printed. This is from a machine. This is a robot, whatever it may be. It's not. It, it's got those imperfections and subtle imperfections to where it looks like somebody legitly wrote this. I am really, really impressed. I'm going to put each up on the screen one more time. Whoops, let's see. There we go. Got there. And then here is the envelope, if you can see that. Okay, now, so I, I, I got to say, I mean, major kudos out to David as I absolutely think that you have the winning recipe right here. The whole concept, though, is really brought from a place of bringing joy to your customers, to your prospects, to your team, to your network. If you remember back in season one, we had Ed Howie on the show. I refer to him a lot. Why? He's a brilliant man. Make sure you check out his podcast, his YouTube channel as well. I believe it's uh, Howie how we do a brand or something like that, um, how we grow a brand. That's what it is, okay? We are in a joy deficit right now. Everything that's going on socially, politically, culturally, and with the business environment, with COVID, all that stuff, you know, anything you can do to bring a smile onto somebody's face is huge. And I really think handwritten definitely accomplishes that. And like I said before, I am impressed. I also love how David essentially said, you know, that he's not stopping there, that we aren't stopping here, okay? And that they're not just doing handwritten letters that are written by a robot, but they're also going to allow companies that can afford the investment to do personalized written hand letters, okay? So he's really taking innovation and creativity to the max by creating i guess it's machine learning ai type of b something like that that's allowing that machine to learn your handwriting style so that the letters you make they are in your actual handwriting and that allows it to be even more personal i mean this is mind blown this is awesome this is a good proper use of technology, and I am 100% behind his company. Lastly, I just want to touch on what he said about subscriptions. We are in the subscription economy right now. I think there's some risk because I think people are going to start pushing back a little bit. You know, I got to subscribe to this, to that, to this, to that. But I think as soon as those subscriptions, like everybody gets used to it, I mean, realistically, do you want to keep paying or $500 for a piece of software that gets outdated quick? Or do you want something the always the newest, greatest version, and you're paying a tenth of the price? 
you know, over a course of time, monthly for a course of time. You get what I mean, how the subscriptions work. I think people will eventually get used to that. But if you're in a business, you know, just like David was saying that his business was pushing him, his advisors, uh, banks, whatever they were, were pushing him to get a subscription revenue going. Okay, that's huge because it does allow you to have recurring predictable revenue because of those subscriptions. I mean, like I was saying, a lot of businesses are moving that direction. And if you think about it, if you get subscriptions rolling up in your business, January 1st of each year, you already have X amount in the bank to start off the year. The best part is, is that if you lose one customer, one subscription, it's not the end of the world. But you do have to remember, it does take a little time to transition because rather than you having the big, large one-time purchases, okay, you've got to transition. I mean, you might have a 36-month break-even point. I do in my world, it's 36 months. But after 36 months, it's all gravy. So that's where you really got to keep the long-term interest of your customers in perspective to make sure that they continue to see the value with your subscriptions. And that's really the world that we're going. I mean, I think it's about time that cell phones had a better subscription type model. I get every new Galaxy model that comes out. And I've got to say, I, I really wish that I could just pay X a month. And then once, twice a year, I just get the new phone instead of having to do the jump on demand thing with T-Mobile. My life would be so much easier, but I think we will get there eventually. So this was a really fun video, some great conversation. What did you think about it? Is a handwritten letter by a robot not personal enough? What's your thoughts? Leave your comments down below on YouTube or whatever platform you're watching or listening this on. And lastly, do you want to be a guest on the show? Do you have a good business story to tell about how your business has pivoted during COVID or how your business experienced growth during this time period? Shoot me an email, david at sharkbitefizz.com. Would love to have everybody on the show. Once again, remember, I'm David Strasser. This is Shark Bite Fizz, and we'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.